Amen. Praise God. It's good to see each and every one of you that are here today, and it's so good to have uh, Reverend Terrence Brown with us. He is the uh, president of the Monrovia Police Department Chaplain Corps, and we're glad to have him with us. And uh, he wanted to come out and hear the powerful word of the Lord today. And I'm glad that you're here as well. I'm glad that each and every one of you came out to be with us today. And uh, I uh, want to introduce you to uh, a wonderful lady of God. Uh, and many of you, there are several of you here who have been a part of our ladies' conference the last couple of years. And uh, I know you had a, a great time this year. And uh, I, I've heard the stories of the great things that the Lord has done. And, uh, but there's a lot of us guys here who haven't had the chance to hear Sister Vonnie Marshall minister the word of the Lord. And Sister Marshall, I had the chance to sit on a panel with her for a few minutes about three years ago at the Because of the Times meeting and uh, was just so impressed by uh, her passion for the kingdom of God and her magnetism and her uh, uh, vision for reaching lost people. And so I, I just wanted her to come and preach for us. And also Sister Jackie's been applying pressure. When is Sister Marshall coming? When is Sister Marshall coming? And so Sister Jackie, uh, good job. Amen. And uh, so uh, uh, since I haven't heard her before minister yet, I'm going to ask Sister Brown to come and just make the final introduction before we turn this over to Sister Marshall today. Amen. What an extreme honor to have this wonderful lady with us today. Let me just tell you, we are privileged today. She's in high demand all over the world, not our country, because as her pastor's wife spoke to us at ladies' conference, she was raised to take over in her family. She's going to tell her testimony, but she was raised to take over as in the priest to work in the ministry of, of the Hindu religion there in her family. She has more degrees than we can even name. She was trained for service. But this lady heard the voice of God. And as Sister Mangan said yesterday, just like the woman who broke the alabaster box at Jesus' feet, this woman broke her alabaster box at the feet of the one true living God, Jesus Christ. Amen? And just like that lady's story has been told all over the world, this lady's story is being told all over the world. And many are coming to Christ through her testimony. So I pray that you would just open your hearts today. Let God speak to you. And we already know we had almost 50 ladies go to ladies conference this year. So you've got a fan. You've got an amen corner. We're behind you. We want you to preach the word. Have liberty to preach what the Lord has put on your heart. Can you make her welcome right now? Thank you, Sister Brown. <laughs> Jesus is so great. Come on, let's give it to him. He's the star of our lives, of this church. We thank you, Jesus, for your people, your presence, your family, and for Life Church. And we thank you for SoCal and the weather. The rest of America is going to pot in snow, and you all are in sunshine. I still love you. <laughs> My husband sent me a text message with a picture. He said, I have snow in the backyard. We live in Louisiana. I said, well, Merry Christmas. I'm in SoCal. I'm not coming home. 
Pastor, thank you for getting me here. Thank you for having me here. It's my honor and privilege. And Sister Brown, we're friends. We're good friends. And uh, the women's conference was wonderful. We had 22 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Isn't Isn't that awesome? God is so awesome. God is cool that way. Praise the Lord. John chapter 7, I don't know what, I didn't even give it to the media people, my bad. John chapter 7, 37 to 39. If you have your Bibles with you, we can turn there. If it comes on the screen, turn there. <laughs> John seven thirty-seven through 39. I'm going to just read it. On the last day, that great day, and I'm going to share my testimony, Sister Brown. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive from the Holy Ghost, was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. You have a task before you, life. Can I just call you life? It's just nice like that. Life. And the task is to seek and save the lost, but unless you are flowing with his Spirit, you cannot do it. They want what you've got. There are people this morning just trying to barely make it over a hangover because of partying last night. But they need to be here partying with you right in this house. So many of you came out and you were dancing and everywhere. Can you imagine your cousins, your family, your neighbors right here doing that with you? Dancing with the Lord. They need that. But they're not going to be. They are probably waking up round about now if they've got a huge migraine, depending on how much they drank last night. But the world says that if you are thirsty, go to a bar. You don't blame them. That's what they know. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. I mean, that's pretty easy. That's pretty sort of straightforward, right? So your job is cut out for you. My job is cut out for me. We get out there. I'm with you. I'm telling you, I love church, but right in the middle of it, I'd like to walk out and say, hey, there's, there's something going on there. Just come with me. Just come and see it. Yeah. Can you imagine right in the middle of something, the Holy Ghost just grips life and you walk out of here because you're not willing to just do it on your own anymore. You got to make this grow. God. This morning is quite early because whenever I change where I'm sleeping, I just don't sleep very well. I'm just, that's nobody's fault. It's mine. I'm 50, so. And if that Facebook, it comes out, I'll never come back here again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but it's going to be out on Facebook, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Life. <laughs> right. Well, um, and so it gets harder and harder to just sleep until 10 o'clock. There was a time when I was 15. My mother had to come and get me out with a, with a hoe out of bed. But now, I'm out. And so early this morning, not my mother, but God got me out of bed. And, and he said, when you go, and, and there were two services today, one in the morning, one afternoon. But this is specifically for life, Monrovia. He said, tell them that the building is not going to hold what I'm bringing in. 
So I don't know. I don't know what's behind that wall. It might be pastor's office. You might have to change your plans. But you need to either break this or move because you're not going to be able to hold. But I'm not saying it. He said it. He said, you've got to tell them that I'm going to mobilize an army. The army is not going to walk to church on crutches all about me, me, me all the time. And just walk around on crutches saying, pray for me. I'm not against. Look, I'm not, I'm not anti-church people of God and the saints of God coming up in front and having your five minutes with God, getting prayed through, getting rid of all the depression, anxiety, and the sadness, and the divorce, and the marriage problems. Please do that. Please come back in front and let God minister to you. But five minutes ought to do it. Because the rest of the time, it has to be for the world out there. I was born in a Pentecostal family. Some of the ladies have heard my ministry or... Please be seated. I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm, it's just, <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Oh, goodness me. She's going to not let us sit. <laughs> I wasn't born in a Pentecostal family. Sister Brown knows a little bit of my testimony, but this is not my story. It is his story. And I was born in a priesthood family. My father, grandfather, great-grandfather, all, I don't know how long. My mother has the family tree. It goes way back to the 17th century. Um, were chief priests, Hindu chief priests. Chief priest means you're not serving a priest in a temple. You actually take care and make the temple laws. They write the creeds. An interpretation of Hindu laws. It is unthinkable for a granddaughter or daughter of a priest to enter into any other religious system. It is not allowed. They will either ostracize you, cut you off, or do something. But it is not allowed. But I became very sick in my body when I was 15 years old. Doctors couldn't cure it. 16, 17, 18. I don't know how I made it through college. My parents believed in education. They sent me off to law school. Even after I graduated and was a junior attorney, my body would just be racked with pain. I somehow managed to work and earn a living. I thought I was going to have to quit uh, all of that and, and just stay at home on a wheelchair. And, but I, I hadn't heard of Jesus except that these groups of people, just strange people like you, would keep knocking on my door relentlessly until I opened it one day. And I'm like, what? She's like, well, we've got a, we've got a tract. I said, well, thank you. Bye. And they're like, well, we want to, you know, I can read. I can read. Oh, I was obnoxious, rude, because I didn't want, I, I knew I couldn't. I was stuck. This the religious uh, thing couldn't, wouldn't allow me to do anything else or think anything else but the laws of, Hinduism, and uh, I was very dedicated and committed as a Hindu, very dedicated. I went to temples, not just once a week like everybody else, but daily and, and, and uh, worshipped there. And I was also a temple dancer, and that was not, that's not some kind of a immoral thing, but it's actually very um, part of the worship there. Worshipped over 2,000 gods. Aren't you blessed that you only know the name of one God? One, one God, not 500, not a thousand, one, one God, one. Isn't that incredible? Jesus makes it simple. He it makes it easy. We don't have an excuse left on this planet. 
Do we, Pastor? No, we don't. One God. I worshipped over I mean, thousands, thousands. There are 3.3 million gods in Hinduism. If there's any Hindu friends of mine, I love you all. Keep taking over those hotels. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I can say that and get away with it. You can't. I mean, they remember. <laughs> they won't serve you the Slurpee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I'm sorry. Okay. I am going to stop. Hey, I don't know what's with that, okay? My family didn't own any 7-Elevens. I come here and all of that's taken over by my cousins. I'm <laughs> sorry. No. I'm sorry. God, please forgive me. I love all of them. <laughs> any Indian people in this room, please pray for me. I'm just crazy a little bit like that and so i just worship these gods i remember when i used to be a young girl i used to steal into my grandfather's library my grandfather was the chief the chiefest priest if you like and 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 steal his books on religion to read it because I was so hungry for more of god so i used to try to read it and get into trouble because if you're a girl you cannot read the books of law in that religion boy am i glad i'm a christian <laughs> We've been set free, ladies. <laughs> and so, um, and we, we just, I just couldn't. And my, my grandfather knew my hunger, and he actually quietly and secretly encouraged me. He got into trouble with everybody else. Don't let her read the holy books. She's a woman. She cannot touch it. I was like, oh, be quiet. Grandfather's letting me. And so one day my body was so filled with pain and I couldn't get over it. Doctors couldn't cure me. They just gave me painkillers. So I thought if God's not going to heal, if the Hindu God's not going to heal me, I'm going to swallow half the bottle and just meet them. You know, so yes, there was suicide. And when you're desperate and you have the thoughts of death and ending it on your mind, that's when our cliffhanger Jesus comes through. He's a cliffhanger God. He comes through right then and says, oh, it's okay. I'm here now. Let me take over. And then so I was sitting there in my room. The lights were switched off. It was dark. It was bedtime. Everybody else in my family was gone to bed. Mom and dad were all sleeping. Brothers and sisters were sleeping. I was awake in pain. And there was this bottle of, I mean, it was prescription painkillers. I don't know what it was. Morphine, codeine. We couldn't do um, smoking the leaf at that time yet, you know. Just Sorry. <laughs> We were not that advanced. No, I will not go there. But anyway, so I, 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 I had that and I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. All those people that keep coming to my door, knocking, bugging me, giving me those tracks, saying, Jesus loves you and he saved you and he went on the cross. I didn't ask him to go on the cross. I would be so rude. I would tell them, I didn't ask him to die for me, okay? Yes, you didn't, but he did anyway. He loves you. Yeah, right. Okay. And so, and, and that was right there and I thought, no, I'm going to do this. I got nothing to lose. That's what desperation does. You know, it makes you think I got nothing to lose. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to get to that place of desperation. And so I held that bottle in my hand. And I said, Jesus, I don't know where you are, who you are, even listening to me. I actually felt like an idiot because I, was, I thought I was talking to an empty room. So I thought, but if you would heal my body, I would tell your story everywhere and I will follow you. I will leave, I will leave everything. Everything I've been taught, all of this Hindu priesthood, and I will follow you. And I don't know what happened. I never saw his face, but there was something that just swept into that dark room. 
And it was, I, I, could, I knew it was a figure. You could see the shadow of a figure and light. And I had no window on my left, on my right side of the room, but the light was coming from the right side. So it was coming through a wall. I mean, it, it seemed like it. And I hadn't taken any of that yet. So I wasn't having a hallucination, just in case some of you experts are thinking that. I wasn't high, but I was fixing to be. And so I cried out, and it, it was just, I don't know how many seconds it lasted. To me, it felt like it lasted forever and ever, for hours and hours. It was about 11.45, 11, 11.45, close to midnight when that happened. And by the, it just hit me, and for the first time and the last time, I heard his voice audibly. He said, I am Jesus. I am God. And all I did was fall from the edge of my bed on the floor. And every pain in my body left me in an instant. I was healed. I was healed. I was set free. Well, you cannot argue with a story. And so... I don't know how long I was on my face, Pastor. When I got up, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. It felt like five minutes. But it was three. I was on my face for hours. And I got up pain-free. Pain-free. That was 25 years ago. I stopped waiting for the pain to come back. It's gone. I've not had that kind of pain ever. Jesus is real. You cannot substitute him with anything else outside that California will offer you. You cannot substitute him. Well, the fire started. The very next day, was a Friday. Friday is when my family goes to the Hindu temples. I usually lead them. I usually, I'm the one first up, dressed, getting everybody else ready. Because I was the firstborn daughter of a priest. So I, I was already awake. I wasn't going. I was going to church. I was going to a temple where I can find Jesus. And so I'd already looked in the yellow pages early morning and found out a little, and you wouldn't believe it, it was an apostolic church, jumped right out at me. The smallest advertisement in the, in the yellow pages, it was apostolic, jumped out at me. So I thought, oh my goodness, four buses. Mom's not going to drop me off. <laughs> not really. And so mom knocked on the door. She knocked on the door. She said, she said you, are you sick? I said, God, I wish I was. I said, what am I going to do? I said, Lord Jesus, yesterday you were glorious. Right now, where are you? You know, my mom's out there. I hope you're out there too. <laughs> you did say, you behold, you stand at the door and knock. I hope it's you. <laughs> I opened the door. My mother, I said, well, she said, you're not dressed. I said, Mom, I'm not going to the temple. She said, you are sick. I said, no, I'm not. And, I, and, and she said, well, what's wrong? She, I said, um, I met Jesus last night. I just gave it right as it is said, I met Jesus last night. Then she looked around the room like he was still there. It's like... <laughs> and then she looked at me like I'd lost my mind. I mean, I would have done the same, you know. She looked at me like I'd lost my mind, gone crazy. And she looked at me, Pastor and Sister Brown. She said, she said, you met who? 
I said, Jesus. Okay. Um, just get ready. 15 minutes. We're going to temple. She says, okay, that, that's it. Dismissed. You know, you're crazy. That's okay. I don't know what you've been smoking. but. <laughs> and I'm like, um, Mom, I'm not, I'm not going to the temples. I'm so sorry. I love you, but I, I can't go. She went up, got my dad. My dad was my best friend. He understood me. I confide everything in my dad. So that was the easy part. My mom was the difficult part. Dad came down. He looked at me and said, you okay? I said, I don't know. I really, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm okay or not okay. All I know is I'm not going to the temple. Dad, I gave my life to Jesus. He healed my body. He looked at me. He said, you're crazy. You told that to your mother? I'm like, yeah, she knocked on the door first. <laughs> I mean... I said, what, what are you going to do, Dad? What am I going to do? I don't know. You better think of what you're going to do. I said, you've you got to protect me. He said, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So they had this family conference. And then my mother came back and she said, I think you're ill. She didn't use mentally before that. She just was polite. She said, I think you're ill. I'm going to go to the temple. Come back. When we come back, we will talk. I'm like, All right. It's going to be my funeral. So anyway, they went to the temple, came back, but they came back with four priests. Oh, yeah, that was just, that was nothing. In the, in the span of two weeks, I had 16 different priests advise and come. And I, they'll put me in the chair in the middle, and they will talk to me about the laws and try to get back to me. You know what the Lord told me? Oh, yes. This time was not audible. The first time was audible. This time was in my heart. He just said, don't say a word. Be a witness. You don't need to be a judge, jury, or executioner. You are a witness. You just sit there and smile and nod your head. Respect them. They actually care about you. They're your family. Respect them, but you don't have to accept what they say. So I said, okay. This, I'm talking about a new baby in the Lord. Like, give me a break. At least I'm 20 years in the church. You can do this. You know, send a couple of angels or something. Scare these priests. I mean, you scared the Israelite people. You opened up the floor. You sent fire. Here, nothing. Where is your signs and wonders now? And I was sitting there in this chair, and they would walk all around me. I'm telling you, I felt like a piece of meat over, well, never mind. And and they would say, this is what it is. And then they would start uh, trashing Christianity. Oh, you know, they convert, they do this, and you know Jesus is just a, I just kept, I just kept thinking to myself, I don't have any more physical pain. They cannot beat a story. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. If you want, if you want the devil to run from your family, you better start thinking about your story. What did he do for you last night? What did he do for you last month? Did he do something for you yesterday? You've got a story 20 years ago. You better start thinking about the story where Jesus merged his story with your story and everything began to make sense. And so he said, the Lord told me.
me. I was in the chair. The priests were circling around me. My mother was crying in one corner. My father just looked like as though I shot him. And my brothers and sisters didn't know what was going on. I was first born in the family. And the priests were just asking me questions, pounding me with the law, pounding me with the law, with the Hindu's law, pounding me with the law. And all I could think about, the Lord put it in my mind. I came yesterday. You suffered pain for years and years. You don't suffer anymore. I am more real than anything that's going on right now. You cannot deny me. You won't. How many here, you've been sick and you're not sick anymore? I don't care if it's a migraine or a cold or a flu or whatever. How many here, come on, can you shout? Well, you know what? Don't sit on the story. Sorry, I'm just going to meet direct. Don't sit on, don't, don't hide it away. He's given you a pearl. He's given you treasure. You have to just get out there. You don't have to be theologically deep. You can be if you want to. I encourage discipleship, getting in the Word and knowing the Word and knowing who He is, knowing what He likes, what He doesn't like, what He hates or whatever. Get all that. But if you have a story, I was blind, now I see. I was deaf, now I hear. I couldn't walk, now I do. I was a Hindu, now I'm a born-again, Holy Ghost-filled, apostolic Christian. Take your story. That's all the weapon you need. And the devil will have to shut his mouth. Why? Because Jesus said, you will overcome the enemy with the blood. Anybody here is covered in the blood? Anybody are baptized? If you're baptized, you got the blood. So that's covered. The next is your story. You got the blood and you got a testimony. You can be the world's greatest evangelist. It's not rocket science, friends. Man, I'm not even doing my notes at all. All right. Well, you usually finish about three. We'll go at five. No, I'm just kidding. No. No. I haven't had the soup that they bought for me yet, so I'm waiting to... No, I'm just kidding. But. <laughs> and so they gave up. It was two weeks of relentlessly pounding my brain. You are in false doctrine. You are going the wrong way. The Christians have brainwashed you. I was like, you bet. Blood washed. Brainwashed. Call it what you want. It's washed. I'm just washed. You can call it blood washed, brainwashed, whatever wash. It's washed. I'm washed. I'm a new creature in Christ. You got that right. I'm washed. And so I just sat there, and they were pounding me. And finally, after two weeks, the priest turned around and told my father and mother, something bigger than any influence we have has changed your daughter. My advice is leave her be. Oh, he got that right. It is something way bigger. He made the heavens and the earth. He spoke all things into being. Let there be light, 
And there was. And so, I left. My mother came to me, my father came to me and said, You have totally broken the family tradition and the laws. We have groomed you to be in the priesthood clan. We have sent you to school. I mean, they did. They, they spent a lot of money uh, sending me through college and making sure I was educated and everything. And you are an attorney. You, uh, you have a big, because it's because of them. Because of them. I, I, I was educated and I owe my parents that. They're not bad people. They're excellent, good people, moral people. They felt betrayed. But there comes a time when you would have to stand for Christ. It is better that you do it now when it's still easy. Because it's going to get tougher. I know this is not China. This is the United States. I'm talking about my home, America. I'm an American now. I moved here, migrated here years ago. Let me tell you, this is hard. It is going to get harder to take a stand. Don't wait till it gets harder. Don't wait till they got your back against the wall. Take a stand now and say, I believe in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Well, anyway, that was the glorious part. The bad news was my parents came and they started packing my stuff. I know. Hey, but see who I got. I got a family. (laughs) My father said, I hate this. You are my closest daughter. I don't want to do this. I said, well, don't. And then he says, well, (laughs) but... It, that, that's what you were warned. I said, Daddy, I don't, I'm not going to hold anything against what you decide to do. So my mother said, okay, the clothes are up there. Pack. We want you out in an hour. We will drop you off wherever you want. My father gave me a check behind her back. God bless his soul. He said, I'll give you a little bit of money so you can survive. Well, I was not going to say no to that. I mean, I love Jesus. <laughs> But I need my Sprite and burger, I mean, and fries. Excuse me. Okay, we are spiritual people, but don't, let's not be stupid. And so, he said, are you all packed and everything? I said, yes, check please. And he gave it to me. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, but they were the one throwing me out. Okay. Yes. I believe in sacrifice. I just want to do it on a full stomach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, that was so tacky and cheesy. Whoa, what a horrible joke. I can't believe you laughed at that. Okay. Anyway, um, and so I went off and I went to this church. Remember the church that they didn't let me? Okay. I went there. They took me in immediately. They said, do you need a place to stay? We've got a girl. You can share her apartment, whatever. I said, well, I don't have a lot of money. Don't worry about it. You can just stay. That's where I began to grow. One year later, my father calls me. He said, I will never call you. You must never call us. Throughout the whole year before he called me, I would call my mother on her birthday, on Mother's Day, and send her cards and flowers because the Holy Ghost would tell me, you got, you got to take the high road. It's a hard road. And this is speaking to you about those that don't get where you're at. 
They don't understand your faith. They're giving you a hard time to snicker at you, scold, whatever. You got to take the high road. That's what Jesus did. He didn't run away from a challenge. He took the challenge and he loved them through that challenge. You got to love them. You got, they're not going to get you. The world is not wired to understand you. Why are you hoping that the world will understand you? Give it up. They're not going to understand you. You understand God. God is your father. Be like Christ. Walk over the bridge and hold them. Reach for them. They'll hit your hand away, but keep reaching. And one day, one day, those that slam you away or get you away or tell you to go away or not interested in your testimony or whatever, one day the chips are down. They'll be calling your number. And you know what? So dad called me. I was shocked. I was like, Daddy? And he said, um, he said you know what? I don't know what it is. Um, the business, my father was a successful businessman. And he said there was something that went wrong in, an, in, in some, something that they did, a, a product that they were manufacturing. It went wrong. And they lost um, a good bit of money. And he said, I need, I need to see a miracle. And I don't know why when I thought of that this morning, you came to me. God lives. So I said, I came to you? He said, yes. I don't know why. He said, just call you. Really? Okay. And then he said, I don't know what to do. I said, well, I don't have that kind of money. You only gave me one check. I didn't say that to him. I was thinking it. No. I was, I, and, and, I, and, and I said, um, I said, Daddy, I don't have that kind of money. But I tell you what, I know someone who can turn it around. And then he said, and at that time I was growing, so I was practicing scripture. You know, when you're young, you want to just throw it out there. So I said, he said, really, who is it? I said, well, he's the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. My father said, he's a rancher. He owns a ranch. I'm like, sort of. I said, um, he said, well, what do I... What do I do? I said, Dad, you need to meet me just outside. He said, where? I said, outside. He said, I'm not coming to church. I said, okay, just meet me outside there then. I kind of tricked him. I'm sorry, okay? I'm just confessing. And so he came to the church, just outside the church, and I was, and I said, can you, that's my father. Can you tell him that I'm in here and you bring him and send somebody out there? And so, don't act like you wouldn't do anything to bring him in. Hey, I'm not apologizing. The world is coming to an end. Jesus Christ is coming back. There are souls to be saved. There are people dying and going to hell even as I speak. I don't care what I do. I want them in the presence of God. I'm not doing my... This is not about church agenda. I'm not trying to grow my own kingdom. God said, go ye into the highways and byways and seek and save the lost. And so, and so, my father came into the foyer. He looked real nervous. He came into the foyer. I came and met him, and I said, Dad, service is just about to start. He said, what? I thought we could have a meeting. I know we will right after. <laughs> I know a lot of planning and timing. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know we live our lives manipulating. No, I'm just kidding. But, and, and so, he came in, and he said, I don't, he said, just Dad, just, just sit with me. Nobody's going to, and I already told my friends, if you go near him, I will leave and join the Baptist movement. I'm just kidding. No, that's not true. I mean, I love all of it. <laughs> I mean, it was true what I said that, but it's not, I didn't mean it. And so 
he sat right beside me. I was very protective. You know how we are. And people, you know, and a little old lady comes. I'm like, oh, excuse me. Can you go sit down there? Excuse, don't. No. No. And then people start dancing, and you're really worried and real nervous. You're like, oh, God, why did she have to dance today? Oh, man. You know, oh, I should have called her and told her, can you just just reel it in? Don't dance today. Because an important person is coming, and I don't want, us to, I don't want him to think that we're kind of weird. Okay? Oh, my God. And we're trying to, you know, what I'm, and I looked up to actually apologize to my dad. I'm telling you, God teaches me every time. Apologize to my dad about, we don't all do that. We, we're all normal. She's kind of, you know, she, you know, I turned around and he was crying. He was crying. And the Lord turned around and said, now if you'll just shut your mouth. And let me work and not worry because your, your lack of faith is hindering the person. I am God. It is my will that none perish but all come to repair. God wants them saved more than you want them saved. God wants them saved more than I want them saved. He will shake heaven and hell to bring them to repentance. You don't have to worry. Let them dance. Let them do whatever. If they are doing it up to the Lord, His pleasure, He will pour out the Holy Ghost. Don't be nervous about people that are acting peculiar. You are supposed to be peculiar people. A holy nation called out. I was sitting around, I was there, looked at my father, he's crying. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I wanted him to be felt by God, and when he was feeling God, I didn't know what to do. I was saying, God, and God said, just be quiet for once. <laughs> oh, yeah, God uses the word shut up once in a while. You think what he doesn't know, he knows that word. <laughs> so I was like, whatever, and then I didn't know what to do, and this little old lady comes. This time I was waiting for anybody to come because I didn't know what. She came. She just gently put her hand on my dad's shoulder and said, He loves you. And he wants to give you a new life. Don't worry about it. And she didn't know the problem. She didn't know why he was there. She didn't know about the business. She didn't know about whatever. She just said he wants to turn every situation around and bless you. And you are worried about the situation, but he'll get you into a place where you're not worried about the situation because he's bigger than the situation. See, see, don't stop looking at Jesus as a problem solver. No, he's the master of the storm. That means in the storm, he wants you to just look at him. The storm could still be raging, but that's okay. Jesus is bigger than the storm. And so, my father, and, and, and then another man joined. By that time, I was out of there. I was just, I was just moved away to let the, the people of God who knew what they were doing, do it. This man came and he said, brother, would you just lift up your hands? And my father, and he began to speak in an unknown tongue. My father received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Don't give up, church. Don't quit on your father, your mother, your brother, your family, your children, your cousins, your neighbor, your co-worker, your best friend. Don't give up. Not now. 
because there's a flood coming into Life Church. There's a flood coming into Monrovia. He got the Holy Ghost and he couldn't stop talking in tongues. Now the next problem is how to talk to him and tell him to stop talking in tongues so we could get him home. So he was just shaking. And then I turned around. He said, he said, what, what is that? What was, I said, you were filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I said, dad, do you want to, we need to pray for that business problem. He said, don't, don't worry about that. I said, okay. And, and he's like, hey, don't worry about it. What do I do now? And the pastor came from the platform straight and said, you need to be baptized. He said, I don't care. Take me to the water. And father was baptized in the name. He came out of the water, spoke in tongues all over again. My God lives. If you really believe this, why don't you lift up your hand? Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Save my family, God. Come on, shout to him right now. Tell God to make you an evangelist. Tell God to make you an evangelist for his kingdom. Right now, tell him. Father, make me an evangelist. Give me that spirit of evangelism. Let me not be afraid. Let me not be scared. Let me go to the highways and byways in my home, in my workplace, my co-worker, my family. They need you. Give me the boldness. I come against every intimidation, every fear. I take authority against every lie of the devil that is trying to paralyze you. Don't be paralyzed with fear. The devil tries to paralyze you and tell you stuff like, well, you know what? They're not going to understand your Jesus and they're not going to understand his tongues and everything and they're going to reject you. Well, don't worry about it. Because Jesus was rejected by all men. All you got to do is get past the rejection and nothing can hold you back after that. Get past it. Don't be stuck there. Get past it. Get over it. Suck it up. My father finally came down, came out of the water, and after about a few hours, he calmed down. And we, we went out to eat, just my dad and me. And I said, Dad, I need a favor. He thought it was more money. He was already taking out his pocketbook. I said, no, no. Well, that too, but... <laughs> I said, Dad, I need to see my brothers. Both my brothers were already ordained to be priests. They went to college. Both of them are uh, computer engineers. But... Uh, the, 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 our, my culture is they believe in education. They will put you through college and make you study and get a couple of degrees. And then after that, you still have to serve the priesthood in that particular caste. So I said, I need to talk to both of them. He said, okay. I said, he said, I don't want to tell mom. I said, me neither. <laughs> We're all scared of her, aren't we? He said, I'm not scared of your mom. I said, okay, you're going to tell her you've been baptized? No. Uh, smart. I wouldn't either. Not now. He said, what do you want me to do? I said, bring both the boys to my apartment. And he said, okay, when? And we arranged a date. Both my brothers came. I'm the oldest in the family. And, you know, in my culture, if you're the oldest, you have some clout with your siblings. You're like a second mother. Hey, listen to me. You got clout? Use it. No, really. If people will listen to you, use it. Don't get over being shocked. 
get over be your surprise and just say, you know, I got clout and influence. But the influence is so important. The Bible will people of inf- the Bible is full of people of influence. Get that influence and use it unashamedly. Sit on every board you can in Monrovia. No, seriously. Nice boards, not kind of weird fraud stuff. We have somebody from the police department here. And I don't want to be carried away in a manacle. I mean, you know. I, y'all are getting me into trouble, man. I'm not from here, by the way. I'm, <laughs> extradite me to Louisiana. And so, and so, um, my father brought my brothers and I said, and they're very respectful because I'm the oldest in the family. Their one is 15 years younger than me and one is 10 years younger than me. I said, sit down. They sat down. I said, okay, Jesus wants to save your life. I'm going to pray with you right now. I want you to give your life to Jesus, cut away all these idols. And I want you saved. I want you to be baptized in Jesus name. And I'll, I'll give you scriptures right now to prove it. But right now, my word. They're like, okay. That they're trained. They don't even call me by name. They have to say sister or something like that. They're not Pentecostal. <laughs> they, they, they mean real sister. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and they sat down and, and, and I took the Bible out, got their attention, gave them a Bible study. Both of them got baptized and received the Holy Ghost. That afternoon, one of them is a United Pentecostal Church licensed evangelist my youngest brother preaches all over the country about the love of jesus he's a licensed evangelist pastor you need to have him here i thought i'll plug in i'll give him a plug in the great guy i'm telling you he it was incredible my mother Oh, she was shocked. Finally, she found out dad got baptized. Not through dad. Somebody else told her. I don't know what. But she found out. She was enraged. She was mad that my brothers got baptized. She's still mad that I got baptized. This was years ago. This was years ago. Well, long story short, in the last several years, she will call me. Anytime there's a problem, any kind of family issue, she won't call my sister. She won't call. She'll call me. She said, I know who you pray to. I'm like, yes. She said, can you pray to him that this issue will be sorted out? Now, inside, I'm dancing. I'm doing whatever, you know. Outside, I'm going, sure. No problem. Anything else? You know, I don't want to be too excited. She's like, well, that's all. She called me yesterday. She said, so there, was a, there was some property thing going on there. And she said, she said okay, now, I, you are going to your church, right? Yeah. Tell your pastor and everybody I called and tell them to pray. And I know you all who to pray to. I said, Mom, his name is Jesus, Mother. You're not going to be hurt if you just say his name. Don't stop saying he, he, he. But that's a, He said, all right, Jesus, just pray to him. Well, my goodness, I made her say Jesus. <laughs> and he's as close as the mention of his name. Well, the Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. Well, I made her mention it. My mother came for Thanksgiving just this past year, 2014 Thanksgiving. She came. She came just to, you know, be with me and all of that. When she came, she said, now I'm coming there. I'll cook Thanksgiving meal. I want to be there. I want to be a blessing to you and all that. But I'm not, you know, I'm not coming. Mother, just come. Nobody's going to take you anywhere you don't want to go. I lied. 
All right, just pray for me. And and so she came and she was awesome and everything. We had the Christmas tree and we 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 just went all out Christmas Thanksgiving. We did a big dinner. My brother, who's an evangelist, also came. Nobody talked too much about too much of anything. We were just nice. We we had worship songs playing, Christmas carols playing, everything playing. I put the tree up at Thanksgiving, by the way. I'm crazy like that. But anyway, so we did all that. And so and so she was there. And then all of a sudden she said, so what are you all doing tomorrow? I said, well, there's a Thanksgiving service tomorrow, Mom. You know, and, and Cash and I and everybody are going. And you know what, Mom? I want you to come. She said, okay. I said, okay. So I went to the kitchen and I called my brother Cash and I said, did she say okay or did I, what, did she say okay or what was that, did, she said okay. I said, I stopped breathing. She said, so did I. Everybody stopped breathing. (laughs) She came to church. She sat through the entire service. She did not get the Holy Ghost. She's not been baptized yet, but she turned around and she said, I thought I'll never say this, but I've never felt like this in my life. Don't give up, people. Monrovia, this is not yet your finest hour. It's coming. It's coming. Your finest hour is not yet, but it's coming. This community needs water. Our body, you know, our body, according to some estimates, is 80% fluid. It's not a very nice thought. We are just walking water bags. I'm thinking I'm losing fat. I'm just losing water. No wonder I look the same. It's a big trick. But the truth is that we are all acquainted with physical thirst, aren't we? I mean, you stop drinking water, your coherent thoughts will vanish. Mine did early this morning. I needed water and I just, I was very thirsty. Skin grows clammy. Your vital organs will start just demoisturizing, dehydrating. Our eyes need fluid to cry. Your mouth needs moisture to swallow. This community in Monrovia needs water the same way a tire needs air. No water, you're not going anywhere. And deprive, if you deprive the soul, and this is not just about the community you're going to reach. Now I'm going to talk about some people here, you. You and those that are visiting with us today. If you deprive your soul of spiritual water, and the soul will start telling you. You know that those old cars have a low fluid indicator? Oh, maybe they do now. I don't know. My car is old. <laughs> And you drive and then there's no water, it will just, the light will come on, you know. I know right now it's all digital, isn't it? It probably speaks to you. Drink some water, dummy. In a nice voice. Like Siri. In an English accent. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with us. And deprive the soul of that water, your, your low fluid indicator is going to blink. You know how it'll blink? Because dehydrated hearts send desperate messages. All of a sudden, you will slam the door and snarl at the husband. And all the husband is going, hmm. And offering you a drink. And the wives are doing the same. Okay, waves of worry. You worry in the morning, you worry at night, worry how you're going to pay the bill, how you're going to manage the marriage, how, you're gonna, how your children are going to turn out, why they're not turning out the way you want them to turn out. You Why? No water. No, not enough water. You're not been drinking water. Despair. 
guilt. You know why half the people don't believe God loves them? No water. You get into a whole good dose of the Holy Ghost, you'll think you're the princess of God and nothing can touch you. That's our problem. Our problem is we don't believe God loves us. God loves you. But the only way you're going to believe it is not by me. Not even if pastor bashes you with it. It'll be because you are standing in the presence of God drinking water. Drink water this afternoon. You will know God loves you more than anything else. Guilt. Fear. You know how we deal with guilt? Oh, I made a big mistake last night. I just won't go to church because how am I going to sit there? What, you think what? Where was God when you were doing it? God was right there. Yeah, but his arms are thrown open wide for you to return to him. He said, hey, you think you can just hide in your, I'm in your house, hide in your bedroom. I am there too. Where else are you? You cannot separate yourself from the love of God. You cannot separate yourself from, you can try to run away from God, but like a lovesick lover, he's going to run after you. He's going to run after you. I do, uh, and part of, uh, part of the work that I do in the church in Alexandria, Louisiana, is I'm a therapist. I'm a um, um, professional counselor. I focus on depression, anxiety, and and family and life and relationships. And I've talked to many, many clients of mine in my office, and they come and they say, they say, I just feel guilty. I don't know how to go to church. I mean, I just feel guilty. God's not going to be able to. I said, yeah, you know what? Just practice the presence of God. Your guilt will flee. She said, you're not going to give me any tools? I said, I could. I'm just giving you one. Practice the presence of God. The guilt will flee. Check, please. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, they pay me, all right. But can you imagine? When you don't have that water, you're not going to be able to discern what to do, when to do it, and what to do, whether it's right or wrong. And one lady, I told her, I said, I cannot believe that you are paying me right now to, for me to tell you that this is wrong and that is right. If you practice the presence of God, you don't need me. You would know what is wrong and what is right. You need water. You need water. Snarling temple, tempers, fear. God doesn't want you to live with hopelessness, sleeplessness, loneliness, resentment, irritability, insecurity. You know what resentment, insecurity, and fear, and road rage is all about? It's a warning signal. You're not supposed to suppress those feelings. You're supposed to heed the warning. That means if you're irritated with your spouse, angry with your children, upset with something you can't even put your finger on, if you're angry, if you're feeling guilty, you're feeling insecure, you can't sleep, you you sleep too much, you can't wake up, whatever, these are warning signals that you need a long, cool drink of Jesus H2O. God doesn't want you to live like this. Not the will of God for us to drag ourselves into the kingdom, drag ourselves to church, where, where, where people have to beg you to come to prayer meetings, beg you to go win souls. If you're full of the water, you will run out there this afternoon and win the entire community. The reason our society and our marriages and our families is disintegrating is because people are thirsty. That's the problem. The main problem is not sin. Sin is a problem. We all know that. But the main problem isn't sin. 
The problem is people are thirsty, but they're drinking anything they could get hold of. They're drinking anything from the gutter and dirty water and poisoned water and all kinds of water. They're just drinking whatever because they're thirsty. Why don't you give them cool Jesus water and say, enough, enough of that. You drink this and you will never thirst again. Jesus tried to tell that to the woman at the well and everywhere else. Drink this and you will never thirst again. I'm closing. I'm closing. There's so much I want to say, Pastor, but it's almost three. And somebody here wants a hamburger. And it's not just me. But what water can do for our body, Jesus can do for your heart. That is why Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give you will never be thirsty again. In John chapter 7, he stood up and he didn't just say, excuse me, I want to make a little announcement. There's water here. If you're upset, you're angry, you're weary, you're lonely, you're irritable, come to me and I'll give you. He didn't say that. He, it, the Bible says in John chapter 7, he stood up and shouted. He shouted. He cried. 73739. If anyone thirsts, that's how he did it. It wasn't a polite announcement. It was a desperate cry because he knew a few days hence he was going to be dragged to Golgotha. You are someone else's last chance. That's not doomsday. But you are someone else's last chance. Thank you, musicians. Continue, please. Because I'm going to close. Half the world's population has not even heard of living waters. I grew up and was raised in Malaysia. I am Indian, but I grew up in Malaysia. My, my ancestors are all from India. In Malaysia, half of Malaysia hasn't heard of Jesus. Hasn't heard One Malaysian came up to me during street evangelism and said, Is Santa Claus one of your gods? I said, Not one of my gods, but yeah, he's kind of close up there to some people. No, I'm just kidding. Never heard of the name of Jesus. The task before you, Monrovia, life, the church of the living God, the, the task before you is staggering and demands your attention now. You've been called for this task. This is not a matter of choice anymore. I know you think that you have a choice in evangelizing. Well, I've got bad news. God didn't give us an option. Evangelism was not optional. Pastors so kind. Pastors are. The shepherds, under shepherds, they are so kind. You got an option, maybe, with him. Because he doesn't want to pressure. But the pressure is on. Because hell is real. So is heaven. Enemy is real. Strongholds are real. Problems are real. People have felt needs all over this town. But unless you meet their felt needs, you're not going to touch their real needs. This is not a matter of your choice any longer. This is not a matter of asking you, make a choice whether you want to win the world. No, no option. You don't have a choice. What are you going to do? Now you could say, no, I think I do have a choice. Not really. Not a realistic choice. Not a real choice. You exercise no prerogative at all in this matter. Command is go. Jesus said, you, you, you can go if you like. He said, go. Where? All the earth. Teaching. Everything. Jesus is your Lord. Go means go. Let's stand. And because you don't have a prerogative, you cannot dismiss with a wave of a hand or shrug of the shoulder that this business of soul winning is not part.
part of your destiny or your life. You don't engage in evangelism and winning the lost because you want to or choose to or like to, but because you have been ordered to. You get to. It's a privilege. And very quickly, this is statistics. Thousands of migrants are coming into the United States every year. More than 3 million refugees have come to North America. 98,000 displaced foreign immigrants arrived to seek refuge last year alone. Refugees, they're not illegals. Refugees are legal. And then you have also got the um, undocumented people coming in. Hey, you know what? I don't care if you're undocumented. I mean, I know that we need to obey the law. But whether they're undocumented or not, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. And you need to reach them regardless. Not judge them. Reach them. In almost every state, there is refugee resettlement agencies. My husband and I, that's what we do. We work with refugee resettlement agencies. There's one in Soquel. There are actually five resettlement agencies in Soquel. One of them is called World Relief. World Relief is desperately seeking for church volunteers. You know what the World Relief vice president told me when I was on the phone with him? I'm not even telling you half the story. I'm on the phone with all kinds of people. I don't care if you're CEO, vice president, whatever. If you can help me win a soul, I'm going to talk to you. I'm a human being. You can talk to me. Nobody's so up there you cannot reach them, you know. Your circle of influence, use it. I do. And just a few years ago, Pastor Brown, because of the work that my husband and I, and because of the Lord, I give glory to him. There's so much of work that we've done with the refugees in central Louisiana. The Refugee Resettlement Agency called me and asked me to sit on their board. This is, this is huge. I don't, I'm so humbled. I was like, what? I said, I'm pending. The Refugee Resettlement Agency in Louisiana is governed by the Catholic Diocese. I told them, I'm not Catholic. They're like, we know. We've seen you. We've heard you talk too in your church because they've come, you know, I've invited them. I said, I'm Pentecostal. I said, we know. So you want me on your Catholic diocese board? He said, yes. We need some minds to be put together on how to reach these refugees. I'm there. I don't care what board it is. I'm sitting on it. I don't care. Influence. Shout with me. Influence. Say, I'm going to get me some influence. I'm going to use clout. I'm going to use my influence. Because Jesus is coming back. Heaven is real. I want the kingdom of God to be expanded. Huge. If you haven't received the power of God in order to overcome fear of doing what this church has been challenging you to do, which is to go out in the highways and byways and evangelize. I ask you to come forward right now that you want boldness. You want authority. You want power. Who's going to be first to come in here and join me? Come on. Thank you, honey. Come on, if you're you're here with your husband and wife, come with your come as a family if you want. If not, doesn't matter. Come alone. Doesn't matter. Just come. I'm going to ask pastor and the ministry team leaders under pastor and whoever that he has chosen to be able to pray with you, pray with the people in front. If you're an intercessor, prayer warrior, a ministry team leader under pastor, 
I want you to start praying for different people. Not now. Not now. Just keep coming in front. We're going to make a pledge right now. We're going to keep coming as close as you can, ma'am. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, ma'am, for coming. There are so many here. You know what the Holy Ghost told me this morning, Pastor? He said that after we finish, there's going to be individuals here receiving the power of the Holy Ghost for the first time. And then second thing that's going to happen is those who have already received it, you're going to get rid of anything that is tying you to a safety zone. You're going to become a risk taker from tonight. Because those that will go out and save are risk takers. Yes? Shout. Say, I'm going to be a risk taker. Before we start, I want to say one thing. Alexandria, Louisiana has 50,000 population. You know how big Southern California is? Of course, you live here. You know how big Los Angeles is? Los Angeles? There are 40,000 Chinese people living in Chinatown alone in your city. There are around, what I heard was around 20 different, uh, 12 different ethnic, diversely cultural uh, different groups in Monrovia. 12 to 15. That's what I heard. I might be wrong in my homework. If I am, tell me. But in Alexandria, which is predominantly, it's really right down the middle, predominantly black, white. We've baptized 200 Asians in Jesus' name. Everyone has received the Holy Ghost. They are college students. Some of them are college students. We have sent teams into their college. And when you go into the college, if some other church has already started a Christian group, you know what we do? We tell them, okay, we're not coming to your college. Come to our free English classes. Free English class? Yes. You're a Chinese student. Aren't you? Yeah. you want a TOEFL English? TOEFL is college level English. You don't have to be certified to teach ESL English. You've got to be certified for the other levels. And then we start. I've got a group of people, Pastor, that teach free English classes. Right now, there are 15 Cambodians in my class for this year alone. We have... We met 75 Chinese students in through English class, through immigration. Our church has become an immigration assistance hub. Church. What do we do? Well, we don't process their visa. We'll be arrested. We're not immigration officers. You know what we do? We help them fill out the forms. We translate for them. You think you cannot? You're Southern Californians. You know about eight languages. Don't pretend. Only we know one, but you all know about eight. But the thing is, we... We, we started filling out forms. We interpret for them. We p- put the process through. We bring them. We feed them. We teach them Bible study. We teach them immigration English is separate from ESL English. Now I've started an immigration English class. And there's been hundreds of people calling me to join the class. But we can only take 30 at a time because the class is small. And we baptized 75 Chinese migrants. 35 of the 75 were communists. They belong to the Communist Party of China. They have been baptized in Jesus' name and have received the Holy Ghost. Let's lift up our hands. It's 10 past 3. We're going to be done in a few minutes. We're going to repent. We're going to ask God. Not because you've sinned necessarily, but because we fear. But God is going to help us to deal with that fear and give us boldness. Pray with me, Father. In the name of Jesus, you have called me to seek and save the lost. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Set me free from fear, 
rejection, from, from insecurity, from anxiety. And right now, as I lift up my hands, baptize me with boldness in the Holy Ghost. Come on, church. Those of you praying the Holy Ghost right now, praying the Holy Ghost right now. We're going to pray for those that don't have the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray for you, ladies. Come on, church. God is going to get rid of that fear right now. Strongholds are coming down. Strongholds are being pulled down right now.
time to pray because there's already been six that have been filled with the Holy Ghost already. We need to keep praying because the Spirit of the Lord is moving. Just lift up your hands to Him right now. Begin to praise Him. You don't need to leave here empty. You don't need to leave here dry. You don't need to leave here frustrated because the, the Holy Ghost is here. God's power is touching you. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Come on, there's already six. And there's more that God wants to fill with the Holy Ghost right now.
Come on, there's more receiving the Holy Ghost here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, there's at least two or three more now. Hallelujah that have received the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, there's another one in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, this is how it works. Faith, 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 faith in Jesus. Fire 
still at work. Let's let this flow for a little bit longer here. Amen. In the name of the Lord, just reach out to Him. There's thirsty people reaching out to Him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we all just lift up our hands one more time. The Bible says, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just let the gift flow through you. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's good for what ails you. So take care of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Thank you for the yoke-breaking power of the Spirit to work and alive in us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
This is just the first step in a, in a powerful experience with God. There are individuals, uh, Brother Charlie here and, uh, uh, and uh, Sister Ross right here that has a clipboard. Give us your information so that we can follow up. We want to uh, help you take those next steps of faith, walking closer to the Lord. Also, the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches very clearly that we are to repent of our sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The Bible teaches that that our sins would be remitted through the name of Jesus. Now we know that it's the blood of the Lamb that remits sin, but we access the blood through the name of Jesus Christ. And so today we are have some people that are already going to be baptized in Jesus' name out in the foyer area. If you're here and you've t- taken that step, maybe you received the Holy Ghost today. Maybe you repented. Maybe you felt God for the first time and you're like, I want to take that first step. Let us know. Amen. Right now, we'd be willing to uh, 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 accommodate you to be baptized in Jesus' name in water for the remission of your sins. That means your sins are dealt with. They're taken care of. They're washed away. Amen. Through the power of the blood of the Lamb, access through the name, the name of Jesus. Amen. So if there's anybody here you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, And you want to be baptized, we can take care of that within the next few minutes right out in the courtyard. As we close this service out uh, in just a moment or two right now, we want to uh, let you know that there will be a baptism, a water baptism out there. If you're curious about it, you want to see what it's like, just go take a look as we baptize some children and maybe even some young people. Uh, maybe even some moms and dads in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And we'll rejoice together with them, amen, as, uh, as they are following the biblical pattern of, of New Testament salvation. Thank you, each and every one of you, for being here today. And aren't you thankful for the presence of the Lord that we felt and the lives that have been impacted by Jesus today? Can we give him a hand clap of praise for what he's doing right now? Hallelujah. Amen. If you're a guest with us, please stop by the reception and say hello to our pastoral team. And uh, the Lord bless you. You are dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll see you Tuesday night. We have our midweek Bible study. And also, don't forget your life group, especially based on what's happened today. The life group is going to be very relevant for you this week. God bless you.